Welcome, absolute worldie football podcast listeners, to uh, what is this episode, Kyle? I've long ago Series given up. Series two, episode nine. Do you remember that chat we had once where you were like, hey, are we going to keep saying the episode <laughs> numbers? And I was like, yes, we are. And now I've forgotten what episode we're I've on. also forgotten. Welcome back. We are in, <laughs> uh, in, what's the word for surroundings? Exuberant? Ex- the- we're in London. Yay, central <laughs> London with a, with a guest. Hi, Hello. Guess. Hi, Annie. Hi. Annie Wilmot, how are you? Hello, I am great, thank you. Welcome to my offices, guys. Thank you for having <laughs> us here. We feel very professional. Do we? Yeah. I don't know, I ever feel very professional. Well, you look snazzy. Thank you. You told, Carl sent me a uh, WhatsApp <laughs> message this morning saying, dress smart in case we take any photos. <laughs> and I wore a jumper. Um, very so, nice. Annie, uh, welcome, welcome on the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. Thank you for having you me. You did just say before we uh, started recording that you know... How much about football? Very, very little. Well, that's excellent. Neither do 50% yeah. of our listeners, I would say. Or more, probably, Kyle. And mm. actually, if you listen to this, I doubt you, your knowledge is growing. <laughs> that's not true. We give loads of facts. That's why we do. We do give loads of facts. That is true. Facts and fun. Yeah. Facts and fun. Funks. <laughs> Annie, people who come on the podcast, we ask two questions to. The okay. first question is, what is your earliest football-related memory? Oh, okay. Good question. I think probably my earliest football memory is my granddad, who was a massive Man U supporter. So it was always like he was always sat in his chair, puffing away on his fag, watching the Man U matches. So I remember feeling like I had to support Man U because that was what like my granddad supported. But I also had my dad, he's from Glaswegian, um, from Glasgow, he's Glaswegian. So he was always a staunch Celtic supporter. So I kind of had like the rivalry with my dad and all his uh, brothers with kind of the Rangers Celtic thing. That is a thing. Yeah. That's a thing. So I was kind of always a, you know, I always had, there was either either a Celtic game or a Man U game on. I don't know why this question is in my head, but do you remember what brand of fag your dad, your granddad? Smoke. Silk cut. Yeah. Silk, Silk cut, cut purple. Yes. There's something about a granddad Always. sitting in a chair that you just yeah. know that you know the brand. Yeah. And he had one of those proper, like, you know, the old school, like, fag ashtrays that were, like, yeah. on a stand. So good. And you'd literally just, they were, like, there and you'd just be like. So he'd have that next to his alarm chair. Yeah, 100%. And have to move. Puffing away. Got the image. Having a great time. With United on the toe. So to complain about those. So that was proper, like, our age was like, you know, and it was like, cool. David Becker was like number seven. It was like that kind of time. Michael Owen. Yeah, I did have a shirt. But I had a Michael. Owen one. No, Michael Owen England Liverpool shirt. Um, oh, no, maybe it was Liverpool shirt. That was an England one then. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I got that and Michael Owen one for England and I would get bought them by my grandparents for like Christmas, which I thought was shit. I also got a Celtic... <laughs> like gym bag one year for my uncle Kevin which I was like furiously disappointed with have you thought about that? and it was like bright green it was absolutely horrific have you not thought about recirculating that and bringing it in? no that was when I was really young but I remember he was always trying to get me and my sister like into football I feel like there might surely there's some kind of like you know retro thing now I think that's probably worth a bit of money probably worth a bit of money now get it out get it I'm sure it's still well no Annie you've kept it yeah of course I have uncle Kevin if you're listening so it sounds like your memories of football uh, are revolving around disgusting fashion uh, choices and bad Christmas presents. Yes. 
<laughs> and family occasions of watching the football. So yeah. is your, what's your granddad from the north? No, he's from Guernsey, which is where I'm from. But yeah. he's just always Man U. And then my cousin is also Man U now. Yeah. So I don't know why. It's just like a thing. It runs in families. Yeah, though, it runs it? in families. Yeah. Is there football on Guernsey? Yeah, the Guernsey FC footballers are like the David Beckhams of this world. Are on they? The island. Yeah. Everyone you, if you see one, if you see a Guernsey FC Oh yeah, they are famous. Like, they're always on the back page of the Guernsey press. It's like a big thing. Yeah. And it's also a massive rivalry between Jersey, because obviously Guernsey and Jersey, furious yeah. rivalry between the two islands. And so whenever it's like, I think it's called the Marathi, which is when Guernsey play Jersey, and it's this huge thing. Wow. Um, Have you been? And Yeah. used to go. And my school used to be um, behind the football pitch, which was on the island everyone plays on. So we always had like the grandstand seats. Can you remember what a Marathi was like, the atmosphere? Yeah, just like proper tense. Weesh. And I always remember the football players just getting, I always just remember like the level of anger that the football players had like on the pitch yeah um a real like people live and breathe football if they're playing it you know but do they have normal jobs these players and for guernsey and jersey they must not be professional yeah so they will be they'll be like you know bankers in the daytime or whatever and they'll just be <laughs> it's guernsey yeah it's, yeah exactly <laughs> maybe a farmer <laughs> or a tree surgeon tree surgery is big in guernsey is it yeah I wanted to be a tree surgeon uh, once, but that's a story for another yeah. podcast. Um, and the other question that we ask, and I don't know what, uh, what your potential answer will be to this, mm. um, what do you understand by the term worldy? Oh, see, this is emba- this is going to embarrass me now. No, go for it. So have, it I think of, um, I have a bit of a, a few kind of like bad habits, and one of them is watching shit reality television. So I watch Geordie Shaw. So when I hear the word worldy, I think it means someone that's like fit. Is that so? We, we ran into yeah. that problem when we named this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So like, oh, she's a worldy. Not that I can do the accent, but (laughs) (laughs) well, that's been recorded for posterity. So that's what I think of. I think someone being fit. Yeah, I think we've lost many Mm. followers on Twitter who start writing in absolute worldy and get waylaid. Oh, because they yeah, think yeah. they're going to be yeah, they're going to find other pages of attractive people. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Is it always an attractive woman? Do, do the female Ooh, good points. Yeah, I think it's sort of yeah. I think it's more it's much more female bias. I don't think I've heard any of the girls say it about a guy. He's a worldie. Yeah, no, mm. doesn't in a way it doesn't. Yeah, I think it's like she. I think it's a female thing. Can you think of uh, someone that you would think of in in the so it's got to be in like the kind of Geordie Shaw world? Yeah. Uh, we won't have heard of her, I'm sure. Yeah. Carl might have done. He follows a bit of the old reality. No, tent. I do not. Yes, you um, do. <laughs> I can think of a football worldie. Go on. Oh, yeah, go like, on. as in the football player. Yeah. So I have a massive crush on um, Carius, Loris Carius. Wow. Is that because he you saw so him beautiful. being sad? So I saw him, yeah. So obviously he was the Liverpool goalie for a bit and then he was atrocious. Yes. So I felt, I just felt really bad for him because I was like, oh, he's so fit, but he's so <laughs> shit. And then he obviously got like, and now he's playing some random like Polish team or something? Turkish, Turkish team. Because I felt, started following him on Instagram don't judge me and uh, he's just he's got so many followers he's got like 3 million followers oh, or something he must ridiculous. get so much hate he's so hate beautiful you know you yeah. should talk to my mum because she also really started a crush at exactly the same time seeing yeah. him cry what is it with yeah. with sobbing that's, men yeah maybe it's like an emotional sobbing men thing. with man buns yeah so but he's very pretty so he's my maybe like football worldie he's your football you worldie in terms of looks yeah. but can you remember like a football worldie moment in terms of like an amazing Ooh. performance or like mm. something you remember from maybe when you were younger when you were forced to watch Celtic United can you remember an amazing football mm. moment 
Something that God. caused Grandad to knock over his ashtray. I did find this World Cup amazing. Like when we, when it was the match where, oh God, who are we playing? Where we nearly went out and it went to penalties. Colombia. Uh, Colombia. So we were on a work trip um, with my colleague who is obsessed with football. Like yeah. absolutely obsessed, lives and breathes it. And we went to a random New York Irish bar to watch it after we managed to get a couple of hours off and it was just full of people rooting for Colombia so we were like the you know token the English. token English people at the front of the bar and I remember just being like I was just totally consumed by the energy of like the match it was absolutely amazing yeah. and then when we actually got through it was like euphoric like, I literally felt so into it I watched that with Kyle in fact we watched that so for stressful. an episode we watched that for an episode Did we watched you? the whole match whilst oh. we were doing an episode oh my and God. Kyle, Kyle lost his shit mm. I'm glad we have that for perspective to listen when I'm old and I, I have to go back to re- explain that moment to my children when we finally won a yeah. penalty shootout at a World Cup well listen to my reaction <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a really representation of what was I, happening I couldn't speak that is intense that you're having to do that live so Annie you're football worldy moment England finally winning a World Cup penalty shootout you're yeah. football worldy hottie Loris Carriers. Yes. You're listening to the Absolute Weldy Football Podcast. To suggest your own choice of Weldies for us to discuss on the pod, both classic and contemporary, why not get in contact with us on Twitter at Weldy Podcast. Kickball with football, yeah. And we're back, listeners. Uh, in the break, Annie, saying how much fun she's having, came up with some absolute humdingers that she'd forgotten about. Who's your third cousin? Matt Letizia. Amazing. To Southampton's fight. Is he Southampton? He did. Yeah, yeah. 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 legend. Yeah. But he's a Channel Island legend. Yes, right? he's he from is. Jersey. Oh, yeah, he's so... No, he's from Guernsey. He's sorry. Yeah. Think about that. And who plays for Guernsey? Um, so there's a friend... I just It's typical Guernsey, but you know someone that knows someone. So yeah. a friend of mine's husband plays in the team. Who's um, more famous on life. Guernsey, him or you? <laughs> Ridiculous. Well, you have, Him, a, a, you have a big following no. as Little Miss Notting Hill. That's Annie's uh, her kind of <laughs> social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, weren't you voted something like one of London's top influencers? Um, what was well, that? Yes, I had a nice little evening standard called uh, just the evening standard. Just the evening standard. A, a little top London. I just basically like to take photos of London and stuff and Aww. write about London. So yeah, they picked me out as one of their sort of top thirty. I mean, top thirty, or whatever. Um, London Instagram accounts. That was very. Flattering. Does that translate when you go home? Like at Christmas, the people are going to be like, "Oh my God, you're so there." No, ridiculous. No, Guernsey's great because it's just like you go back home and it's like every, like nothing's changed and the high streets are the same, the old pubs are still the same, mm. you know. It's great. Are you going home for Christmas? Um, yes, I am. Yep, getting the ferry back with my new puppy. <laughs> um, and uh, out of interest, what do you uh, associate with Boxing Day? Well, I associate it with eating lots of leftover ham and cheese yes. and watching really bad Christmas films but I know it is a big football day oh you've you've, yeah you've nailed this segue for me there Annie yes I did (laughs) (laughs) it is indeed a big football day Uh, do you two know the first football derby any guesses any guesses the city in which it would have uh, the first British football derby it it took place on Boxing Day Mm. Sheffield you've nailed it in one yes I was going to say something about Tottenham, so maybe not. No, Sheffield, you've nailed it. It was between... Well done. Sheffield Wednesday. Nope. Sheffield Miners. Nope. Sheffield FC and Hallam FC. That's a uni. Why is Sheffield Wednesday called Wednesday? Why has it got Wednesday in the name? That's a question for another classic (laughs) world, Annie. That's a weird football team name, isn't it? I think when I was growing up, I thought it was because they were formed on a Wednesday. But that... I thought thought they... That's a really weird football team name. I thought they played on a Wednesday. They played on a Wednesday? Or, yeah, they... Or formed on a Wednesday? Or trained on a Wednesday? Oh, yeah, maybe trained on a Wednesday. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, the first 
football derby took place mm. on Boxing Day between Sheffield FC and Hallam FC mm. on the 26th of December, 1860. <gasps> Bloody hell. Yep. Uh, it was uh, on Boxing Day at Sandygate Road, the world's oldest and second oldest clubs played the first ever inter-club match. So Sheffield FC, the world's oldest club, and Hallam FC are the second oldest. So is it not only the first derby, but the first ever match? First ever match. First on ever Boxing inter-club Day. club match. First ever inter-club match played under what is what was known then as Sheffield Rules. Oh. Uh, there are 11 Sheffield rules. We don't need to go into all of them, but my particular favourite, number nine, a goal must be kicked, but not from touch, nor by a free kick from a catch. No idea. Not what? a clue. Not oh, a clue. Goodness. No idea what that means in relation to football, but there you go. Is another rule that Sean Bean must be yeah. there. And, and, and uh, say bloody hell repeatedly. Amazing. Um, uh, so... <laughs> So, uh, yes, in the first ever interclub match, Sheffield FC, they prevailed 2-0, but they uh, had fewer men on the pitch. Not because one was sent off, they just didn't have enough men. Um, <laughs> they were too hungover for Christmas. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we should play football on Boxing Day. But also because this is the first time that two club teams had played each other. Before that, Sheffield mm. FC had just played inter-club matches. Yeah. But, and this is how they made the teams. They either had people from the from with surnames from the first 13 letters of the alphabet against people with surnames from the second 13 oh, letters. nice. They played married versus unmarried. They played... No. Uh, <laughs> employed versus unemployed uh, and then suddenly oh in 1860 God. they thought well this is probably not a good way of <laughs> of uh, testing who's the best at football so they had an actual football match um, and so 1860 Boxing Day football that wow. you brought up on it was yeah. uh, started and it continued ever since and my my classic worldy uh, moment Kyle uh, and Annie is mm-hmm. the 1963 Boxing Day Games. Mm. In the 1963 Boxing Day Games, 10 First Division, which is what we call the Premier League these days, matches were played, and 66 goals were scored. Sorry, this is 103 years after the very first match. Yep, 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 yep. No, uh, yeah, 103 years after the first one. 10 matches, 66 goals scored. Uh, that's 6.6 a game. 6.6 a game. Oh. Fulham's Graham Leggett nice. okay. scored four goals in a 10-1 thrashing of Ipswich Town, including three in three minutes, which is the fastest Bloody ever three-goal three hat three trick. Minutes. Yep. Um, I've got a quote here from the Ipswich chairman after their team were beaten 10-1 on Boxing Day. It could have gone either way until the match started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the poor Sarge. It was still that ruined it. it was still pissed. <laughs> of course he was. Uh, Liverpool's Roger Hunt scored four as well in a 6-1 defeat of Stoke. Burnley's and I've got a great description of him I couldn't find a photo Andy Lockhead who was apparently raw boned don't know what that means but there you go uh, he scored elbowy elbowy yeah he oh, scored yeah. four in a 6-1 round of Manchester United uh, there were twin hat-tricks for Fred Pickering and Andy McAvoy helping then league leaders Blackburn Rovers to an 8-2 mauling of West Ham at Upton Park um, so basically Boxing Day football having started in 1860 has grown and grown and grown and grown to become a massive tradition wow. and it's things like 1963 when I'm guessing everyone was still drunk still full of food (laughs) and scoring a hat full of goals that has continued it to be the tradition we know and love who was the scorer for Manchester United the scorer for Manchester United I don't have that information unfortunately you said they won Uh, so Manchester United uh, lost to uh, Burnley 6-1 so you need to go back and ask your granddad and say do you remember 63 Burnley 6 United well I'll tell you what though Kyle they must have been fuming about that aren't Burnley really shy yes they are (laughs) although they weren't then Although, but but back in those days what would happen was you'd play on Boxing Day then two days later you'd play the reverse fixture oh Uh, and two days later this is absolutely mad Manchester United beat Burnley 5-0 yeah so they were just hungover yeah and then Ipswich lest we forget that it could have gone either way until the match started when they lost 10-1, beat Fulham 4-2. And West Ham, having lost... 
having uh, lost 8-2. Oh my God. Beat Blackburn 3-1. So, so does every team play on Boxing Day? Or uh, just like the main one? So until the telly, telly until telly yeah. kicked in, they all played on Boxing Day. Yeah. They've moved them around now. So some play on the 27th. Okay. Uh, uh, some play on the 28th. But yeah, yeah. every single team yeah. will be in training on Christmas Day. If you're, really? if you're If you've got a footballer in the family, they go off on Christmas no Day way. for training. Yep. Oh my God, that's rubbish. Will you be watching... Celtic with your dad, do you think? Yes, dad will probably have the Celtic match on. And then also my husband sports Liverpool, so that if Liverpool play, then they'll be So what, well. what will you, what, like, what do you normally do when Celtic are on Boxing Day? What are you doing? I will be in the other room watching another film. <laughs> <laughs> or playing a board game. I love a board game over Christmas. Yeah, what are you looking forward to this year? What board game? I've got a really good new one called a What Do You Mean? What Do You Mean? I played that last Christmas. It. It's so good. It's actually not that new then. So it's by the Cards Against Humanity people, yep. isn't it? And it's memes and you have to put very in appropriate sentences like Great. under it and then the funniest one basically wins it's absolutely just it it's is really so fun jokes. but don't play it with your grandparents because yeah, they don't parents, know what a meme yeah. is and even parents don't know what a meme yeah. is it is quite rude. MMA. 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 That's the GC. With so that's Boxing Day. Yeah. Uh, and that's Boxing Day 1860, Boxing Day 1963. And lovelyly, with. <laughs> what's it called? What's what's the map? What that? do you mean? What do you what mean? Do you mean? Uh, Boxing Day, like present day. Song. Clearly still in the same vein as 1860s, Sheffield <laughs> FC versus Hallam FC. What a classic worldie, John. Great history lesson. Thanks, John. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to this week's Absolute Worldie Football Bulletin. What you need to know this week to fill those football-shaped holes in your repertoire. The Premier League Invincible race has gone from three to just one in the space of two weeks, with Liverpool now the only unbeaten team in all of British football. Manchester City lost at Chelsea 2-0 this week after Chelsea themselves had lost to Tottenham a fortnight before. Can the Reds go the whole season unbeaten? We're still saying no. And in the Women's Super League, we're also down to just one potential Invincible, as Arsenal, the standout team this season, were beaten at Man City after a brace by Georgia Stanway. Man City are still quietly unbeaten. An update on our favourite lower league club, Forest Green Rovers, or Vegan FC, who scored twice in injury time to snatch a victory away at Yeovil. Now, with almost half the season complete, they are just one point off the playoff positions, and all on that meat and dairy-free diet. Yum. And what about the MLS Cup over there in the States? Atlanta United beat Portland Timbers 2-0 with a 34th goal of the season for Joseph Martinez. Remember the name, and expect to see the Venezuelan playing in the UK or Europe soon, perhaps even by the end of January. In the Copa Libertadores final, Boca Juniors lost to River Plate in extra time, 5-3 on aggregate. The South American version of the Champions League final, played for the first time between the two huge rivals from Buenos Aires, was played in Madrid. Yes, that Madrid, the one in Spain. And why? Was it because of the attack on the Boca bus by River fans, leading to tear gas eye injuries for several Boca players, or as a way of opening up major finals of football competitions being played on new continents for lucrative purposes? You decide. On a lighter note, suspended Huddersfield striker Steve Mooney joined his team's fans in the away end at Arsenal this weekend, giving away signed shirts. They lost 1-0, but he certainly kicked off some festive cheer for the Terriers. And who's the king of the jungle? That's right, Ari Redknapp. But what's next for the ex-Premier League manager? Strictly Come Dancing? Love Island? Replacing Mourinho at Manchester United? Place your bets now, listeners. And that was the Absolute Worldie Football Bulletin. What you need to know this week to fill those football-shaped holes in your repertoire. And we're back with this week's Worldie. In homage to you, Annie, and your social media brilliance. This week's Worldie is... Top 30, evening snap. <laughs> Top 30. <laughs> evening snap. That's like 
either Premier League or top half of the Championship of influences in the London area. Oh my God. Um, Championship League, I like that. We're going to talk about footballers and social media. Yeah, okay. So there's a massive hot topic after something a footballer said on Instagram this weekend exploded into all the news media outlets, but I'll come on to that in a bit. Mm. I want to start with a story that I think encapsulates the football establishment's attitude towards how players conduct themselves online. Mm. Uh, and it's Mauricio Pochettino. Have you heard of him? No. He's a Tottenham yeah. manager. Okay. And he's banned his players from taking... Uh, changing room selfies until they win a trophy what? which could okay. be a long time um, <laughs> so recently there was a North London derby between Arsenal yes, and Tottenham yes I remember that yeah. it was last weekend yeah. and Arsenal players took plenty of team selfies in okay. their dressing room yeah, yeah. Um, Pochettino was furious uh, with this sort of approach to the, the win over, our, uh, okay. over his team Tottenham so he thought he was quite like boastful yes yeah. and, uh, and he said uh, of course show the fans you're happy that's fantastic but when you win something special I accept people need it it's how you feed your ego and I accept it's a new world but I am of the older generation and personally I don't like it this is my mentality I accept new technology but I try to keep a bit of that away as in like stopping Mm. his players from him he went on I go with my dog to the park and the most important thing is not to share with your dog the walk it's to share with your followers well I'm an old person (laughs) old mentality maybe I take a picture or I do a video for myself life is running so quick But we are talking maybe in dinner or lunch, it is me with my phone, my team with their phone, and we spend two hours and we're not enjoying the moment. That is happening a lot with the new society and generation. That scares me a little. The future. Oh, Um, deep. He's a philosopher. He is so philosophical. Sound like a bit of a rant. But it's interesting that he's like a young... He's seen as like so, a young... Yeah, I was going to say, how of, old is he? He's like in his early 40s. But he but comes across like 65. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. seen as like a young progressive manager. He has got he prides himself on youth development. He's always bringing uh, young players into the team. Yeah. Uh, but he's obviously struggling with their relationship with social media. Especially because footballers are so popular, aren't they? So they're like dealing with millions of yeah. followers yeah. and stuff, aren't they? So, so you, I mean, you have, you have experienced a bit of that. You obviously... Your phone, mm. with the amount of followers that you have and mm. the way that you in, engage with mm. Instagram, how do you deal with the, like having that constant notification yeah no I mean obviously I have no way I can no way imagine having like millions of notifications and stuff but I just I do feel like social media is a little bit um, it's just became a bit ridiculous a few months ago I feel there's been a bit of an about turn and everyone's kind of gone actually it's not that big a deal etc etc so for me I just always go on airplane mode when I can't be asked to have my notifications on and then I'll just be off my phone for a bit and I don't even if, if I look at my phone I know it's not going to beep with something it's literally just like off um, um, and so I think that's quite a healthy way to do it because otherwise you're just constantly distracted. I listened to quite a good podcast actually on the weekend, um, which was all about uh, this woman who is um, used to be a, she used to be a fashion journalist, and she has a uh, book called Why Social Media Is Ruining Your Life, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a fact. You know, she kind of basically writes about how we're all a bit screwed because not just Instagram, but every other element of. She says, you know, by the time you wake up, you get into the office and you might be quite jazzed to get cracking with your workload, and then suddenly you get distracted. You're, you're supposed to write an email but suddenly you see you've got 40 WhatsApp notifications on the family WhatsApp. So you might better reply to that quickly <laughs> yeah. because you get lost in the thread. I love it. And Everyone then suddenly you've got hundreds of, and then suddenly you've got, oh, on Instagram, someone's just commented on your photo that you haven't heard from for a while. So you give that a like and you reply back yeah. and suddenly you're 10 minutes in and you've forgotten what email you're about to send and all that kind of stuff. And it just, that really resonated with me because I thought, God, what old what's his chops was saying <laughs> about Mauricio, how Mauricio, Mauricio, yeah. about life is going so fast. I do think social media accelerates that, but you just have to take time off from it I think so I want to follow on from that Mm. insightful kind of Mm. kind of delve into the world of that by talking about 
You said healthy. So let's talk about some professionally unhealthy things that footballers may or may not have done. I've got a little game for you here. I want you to tell me oh, whether okay. this really happened, whether it's true or false, okay? Okay. So a footballer setting off fireworks out of his bathroom window and posting it online. True. It was Mario Balotelli. <laughs> I, I feel like I know that's true yet. A footballer posting deliberately dull and banal messages as a way of satirising his own reputation as a slow and stupid footballer. True. It's false. Okay. But someone has created a fake uh, account on Twitter called Boring James Milner. <laughs> if you want to giggle, listeners, other other uh, satirical Twitter accounts are available, but at Boring James Milner, good God, it's funny. There was a time Amazing. where Boring James Milner had more followers than the real no James way, Milner. No way, that's... Wait, who does James Milner play for? Liverpool. Liverpool. Okay. Oh, okay. So oh, I'll tell my husband about yeah. that, yeah. Um, a footballer spanking, kissing and biting a raw chicken. <laughs> Definitely true. Yep, it is. <laughs> Patrice Evra, this, this month. Are ridiculous. They're actually ridiculous. A footballer referring to his own manager as a derogatory word for a homosexual. I'm not going to say the word. Oh uh, and also claiming that the same manager sucks off his star striker. Oh my god, probably true as well. That is true. That oh was Serge Aurier at PSG on live on Periscope. Oh Who now god. plays for Tottenham? I was about to say, did he get kicked out? Was that? No, uh, no, no, no. He got a multi-million pound no. transfer and is now paid hundreds of thousands. Oh my a week. god! So, Annie, before you have to go, I've got one yeah. more question for you. In your kind of life, is mm. it, um, you know, through your job in PR and also in mm. your online stuff, have you ever come across any footballers in social media or in, in face-to-face? Yeah, I have. So we do a lot of um, red carpet premiere events for because uh, I work in, in film PR. Um, and yeah, so we've had a few of them kind of attend those. So we've had like Rio Ferdinand. Ooh, um, and then, oh God, probably loads that I really badly don't know all the names of. What do you do um, if you see it? If you know it's a, like a Premier League footballer? And yeah, well, like, luckily oh. I have like a tip sheet. So I have like what you call like a cheat sheet. So I'm like, right, that's what's his chops and he plays for so-and-so. And then I'll just make sure that the guys who know who they are are like spotting them on the carpet. Hang on, on the cheat sheet, does it have like a rough description of what they look like? No, it just, it or has their picture. It has their picture and then it'll have like their name. They play for whoever it is, Spurs or whatever. And then um, I'll just try and make sure that the guys know to spot them and go and grab them on the carpet and like take them for photos. Do, are they quite badly behaved? No, they're usually really lovely. They have all, um, they've all, they all have to have all of this PR training. Yeah, yeah they are. They're all like, well, I haven't come across them in like a social environment, but just when they're at events, they seem to be like great. And Rio particularly was someone I actually spoke to and he was lovely. Um, By all accounts, a really nice man. Yeah, he was really lovely. And it was quite cute because it was like a Disney film. He brought his two kids and stuff. So it's very sweet. It was like Beauty and the Beast, I think it was. Um, yeah, that's a PR um, dream. Yeah, it was really yeah. nice. His, that, and then yeah. that was really sad. I know it was when he had like a weird foot brace on, so he'd done something to his leg, hadn't he? He had like it must have been in the end of his career. The Ferdinand, the Ferdinand story yeah. with his wife dying and all oh, that. Oh, I know it's, it's just... so sad. Well, he's getting but he's remarried happy now. Yeah, yeah he's he? with that new girl now. Yeah, Annie, it's been an absolute delight to have you. Thank we you know so you have to go back to your busy, busy professional life, leaving Joel and I to finish off this week's worldie. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, guys. Letitia. He's going for goal again. Oh! There's only Matthew Letitia can score goals like that. Kickball with football, yeah. Now that Annie's up and left us, Joel, I think I'm going to talk about uh, my big story to do with this week's worldie and footballers and social media. What happened this weekend? What happened this weekend? Man City and England star forward. Raheem Sterling. Oh, you remember Raheem Sterling, listeners. We're big fans of Raheem on we this podcast. We are big fans of Raheem on this podcast, but he is unfairly targeted by many sections of the media for not being uh, England's saviour. And also unfairly and really aggressively targeted by um, a lot of 
fans of other clubs, as happened this weekend. So uh, just before I read out his Instagram post, which is, has gone viral, basically, I just want to give a bit of context as to what happened this weekend. Chelsea beat Manchester City, Sterling's team, and it was Man City's first league loss of the season after 15, 16 games. They were invincible before then. Invincible no more. 2-0 loss to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea Stadium. That was on Saturday night and there was video footage of Chelsea fans leaning towards Sterling on the byline. So there was some really sort of grotesque, leering aggression towards Sterling from the about four, I'd say it was three or four fans, but they were the ones that were actually leaning into it. I'm sure the vocal uh, dissent was many, many more people. And it's not really unusual for football fans to witness this. Joel, you, me, of our own experiences of going to life, we've seen it. Racist language. Yep. I think it's much to the chagrin of most football fans we've all been at I can't I don't know anyone who's not who's been at a game and not heard something either racist or homophobic I definitely know people who haven't heard it but I think that's because of where they're sitting uh, and because of how engaged they are with the people around them if you're with the vociferous following behind a goal or in the sort of the kind of traditional areas where the hardcore fan goes in inverted commas yeah uh, you're you're almost bound to hear it I try to call it out if I've heard it there's uh, I've heard racist well I've heard songs that I deem racist being sung and said I think it's got to the point now where if we don't all call it out as soon as we see it uh, or hear it even uh, it's it's a real shame I, I was once at a, a stadium that shall remain nameless uh, and the man next to me abused player on the other team. Um, he called him an Arab blank uh, more than once. And I turned to him and said, "Come on, mate, lay off the lay off that. Don't let's let's not make it about that." And he went off. He kicked off. Uh, so I think I can see why people don't call it out, even though they ha- they hear it or see it every week, because it is quite intimidating when those people then turn on you. That's really interesting considering a conversation that I was having with my girlfriend last night. I told her about the Sterling story and I realised I haven't still got to the bottom of it yet. I said I went to uh, Wolverhampton away, uh, Chelsea away at Wolverhampton with some friends uh, and a man next to me and one of my brother's friends uh, after a player called Mishi Batshuahi, uh, a black player striker for Chelsea, uh, had missed a chance, fluffed a chance. He described it as, uh, well, what do you expect uh, from... It's like watching a... A monkey trying to pick bananas up a, off a tree. Wow! Um, and wow. and did this grotesque sort of like gesture as well of like picking bananas about and his own team, about his, a striker for his own team. Yeah. Uh, and me and this my my brother's friend, we were stunned into silence. And my partner said to me, "Why didn't you say something?" And my defence was, "I didn't. I didn't see the point in embroiling myself in someone else's uh, ignorance that." could end up I said if I'd come home with a black eye or you know whatever how would you have felt and she said she would have felt proud so and that that, that did make me kind of feel and especially what you just said you know we should be sticking up against it but I felt what would be the point in trying to teach this old dog new tricks and and maybe that was wrong let's uh let's hear what Sterling has actually said Sterling these men on the news their faces were blanked out but in the newspapers, some of the newspapers chose to show these men's faces, uh, which is a really bold choice. And I think the reasons behind making that choice might become clearer after we hear what Sterling did say. So this is what Sterling said. Posted uh, two pictures, which I'll explain in a moment. But his words were, good morning. I just want to say this was Sunday morning. I'm not normally the person to talk a lot. But when I think I need to, my, uh, my point needs to be heard. I will speak up. Regarding what was said to me at the Chelsea game, as you can see by my reaction, I just had to laugh because I don't expect no better. Uh, And then he went on to say this. For example, you have two young players starting out their careers. Both play for the same team. Both have done the right thing, which is buy a new house for their mothers, who have put in a lot of time and love into helping them get where they are. But look how the newspapers get their message across for the young black player. 
and then for the young white player. I think this is unacceptable. Both innocent have not done a thing wrong, but just by the way it has been worded, the young black kid is looked at in a bad light, which helps fuel racism and, and aggressive behaviour. So for all the newspapers that don't understand why people are racist in this day and age, all I have to say is have a second thought about fair publicity and give all players an equal chance. The first post picture that he posted said this. Maybe you should read it out, John. Uh, this is the Daily Mail headline. Uh, young Manchester City footballer, 20 on £25,000 a week, splashes out on mansion on market for £2.25 million, despite having never started a Premier League match. And that's a picture underneath of uh, Tosin Adrabayo. Uh And then the, the following article, again on Mail Online, another player, Phil Foden, same age. These players are both under 21 years old or around 21. Manchester City starlet Phil Foden buys new £2 million home for his mum. Is that and that's it? That's, that's the headline. So Phil Foden is white, Tosin Adarabayo is black. The the language clearly and the whole kind of aim of the article, despite having never started a Premier League game, splashes out. Yeah. It's evocative. Yeah. We got some sort of pushback from people who listened to an episode in the summer where we said that we didn't think Raheem Sterling would get the criticism that he gets for England if he wasn't black. Um, people saying it's because he doesn't perform. Um, I think... Uh, this is absolutely indicative of the way that institutionalised racism affects people in all walks of life. But if you are a public face, it affects you even more. So for Phil Foden to be doing something lovely for his mum, and Phil Foden's not played a lot of games for Manchester City either. He's only played a hatful of games. It's not like he's that much further along in his career. They're both doing good things, good positive things. Um, for those who, of you who probably won't know... Uh... Tosin Adrobayo is on loan at West Brom in the Championship, but he, he has featured for the first team. Certainly last season, he's played for Manchester City in cup competitions. Uh, he's a centre-back, um, and, he's, and he's playing not as regularly at West Brom. I just think it's an accurate argument. I think anyone who tries to pick holes in that is, is doing so because they're scared of the, of the truth of the kind of the, the frankly racist portrayal. Young black man does something... Uh, does a job that we we all agree is too much money in football. That is a different conversation. He does a well-paying job. He spends a lot of money on a house. He is considered to be somehow unworthy of that. Yeah, what the Daily Mail are trying to say? They're trying to say he doesn't deserve it. Yeah. He's not he's not started in the Premier League, yeah. and yet he's rich. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't deserve it, uh, and he shouldn't be spending that money on his mother because it's undeserved, because he's black. And Phil Foden is younger than him. And has done even less potentially in in terms of growth as a footballer, uh, and does the same thing, and it's somehow a lovely gesture because he's a starlet. He's a young white man. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think Sterling's point is absolutely accurate. Whether that's the reason that people like the Chelsea fan who called him a effing black blank, whether that's the reason that people like that are racist, I don't know. But I do think it's an absolutely accurate example, and it's a young man using his bizarre amount of social media traction to bring to light something that is absolutely a real problem. Absolutely. It's, I think it's a really profound thing to do. I think also to contextualise it within the realms of saying, I know that newspapers try and imply that racism is not a big problem in this country. And here's how it is. Here's an example. Here are two sources from the same uh, outlet that prove my point. Uh, and I think once th- this is a, obviously we've been talking about a lot of silly things that are used that uh, footballers use social media to do, but I think this is a real force for good. Uh, and here's some of the responses from the from the press. Um, and the, an editor called uh, Andy Dunn from the Daily Mirror. He's a sports editor, uh, chief sports writer. He said, "I think that Sterling coming out and saying this is a big step. 
It's an important step for him in addressing this whole issue. If it makes our industry be more introspective and have a look at itself, examining could we have done anything better, then it's a good thing. We can all look at each other, and even if only subconsciously, we can look whether we report on black players differently than white players. It's as simple as that. How do we refer to black players in terms of the physicality? Sometimes it might be using different language. If there's anything that we do that fans any flame of prejudice, then it's got to be stopped. Reporters may not do it deliberately, but if they examine themselves and look at whether they actually do it, or could I do anything more to address this issue, it can only be a good thing and fair play to Raheem for doing it. They're bound to say something like that in response. Uh, you've been targeted as a news as a newspaper. You're going to come out and say that he's done the right thing, and you're going to try and support it. But then seeing the newspapers actually showing the faces of these men, mm. it's a really strong message. But it is. I mean, it's also intriguing that we've, we're at a point where it's happened twice in a week at the Spurs at the Arsenal Spurs game. A Spurs fan. Uh, who admittedly in the sun claimed he just picked up a banana skin off the floor. So what was that story, Joel? What happened? So I suppose uh, from the Spurs, uh, Arsenal scored a goal. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is Gabonese, scored a goal. He celebrated in front of away fans and uh, sailing out of the crowd came a banana skin. And there is a obviously a long, dirty history of football fans taunting black players with bananas in the 70s and 80s. And people thought this was a real horrible racist throwback and in the same week we have an English, uh, a Chelsea fan barraging an English footballer with racist abuse it, it, it's a scary thought that football is heading back in that direction just as perhaps although it's not really for us to say on this little podcast the country is also heading back in that kind of direction I think it's really interesting uh, as well what we said about the generational uh, attitude using using I mean unfairly using Pochettino as an example of well he he said it himself I'm of a different generation uh, I don't engage with social media the men that did this on Saturday were all at least middle age yeah uh, I don't know about the man who allegedly threw the banana uh, he was a middle aged. Greek Cypriot. Okay. He's confessed for throwing a banana. Okay, so he's and he's middle-aged. Yes. Um, so th- this message from Sterling is not reaching out to men like this. It's reaching out to younger people. So you've got to hope that the amount of people have shared it, five, well, it's had 500,000 likes, he's got 4.2 million followers, other professional uh, players of other ethnic minority backgrounds have messaged and replied with support. You've got to hope that younger people will take that message and apply it to themselves and, and stay clear of, of behaviour like that. Okay, football is good. Football is fun. Football is there for everyone. I can't really be bothered to follow it properly, but I'll tell you one thing. I prefer it to broccoli. Kick ball with football, yeah. And that little sting, of course, Joel, was Amar Chada Patel from Strong Asian Mothers with his musical genius. Oh yeah, the beef and broccoli. The bro- beef is no. There's no beef in it. It's just broccoli. There's no beef in it at all. No, I don't know where the beef just came from in my head. Because you're hungry. Um, so <laughs> I was on Spotify and it told me that they'd had something like almost a million streams this year. So well done, Amma and the gang. Yeah, Amma, who is one of the contributors to our music, along with Adam Janotabazowski, who does our amazing theme tune. Uh, if you've uh, joined us this week because you've seen us on our brand new Instagram account, welcome. Maybe you're going to do some catch-up from our old episodes, but we'll be uh, releasing episodes, you know, three or four times a month, won't we, Joel? That is generally the plan, depending on when our busy, hectic lifestyles uh, allow us. We're so busy. And if you want to uh, give us a suggestion of a, of a topic, a worldy topic you want to listen to, then you can just message us on Instagram or via Twitter at Worldy Podcast. 
What do you, anything else to add to that, Joel? Uh, no, the only thing I've got is a Khrushchev Corrections Corner about the episode, Kyle. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, the Huddersfield suspended striker, what was his name again? Steve Mounier. Not Steve Mooney. He's French. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Steve. And keep giving out those shirts. <laughs> That's the uh, Steve Mounier chatbot, Kyle. Oh, God. Oh, no, Steve, no. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Just we diddly. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, you are desolate. And on that desolate... No, on that note, absolute worldy football podcast listeners, we bid you adieu and we will see you next time. Goodbye. That was the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast by Joel Samuels and Kyle Ross. The theme music was courtesy of Adam Janota Brzezowski and Amachada Patel. All other music is licensed by Creative Commons. Thank you for listening and don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe. And follow us on Twitter at, at Worldy Podcast. Goodbye. Welcome to this week's. Oh, sorry, to start again. Welcome to. Welcome to. <laughs> three, two, one. Kickball with fur fur.